And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic Conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, my pal, the legendary basketball player from St. John's University, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is great. And the topic you have selected for conversation is has to do with the apostles. It's a great topic. There's a lot to chew on. First of all, we, we read in the Bible, quote, as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he came upon Peter and his brother Andrew, and he said, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then he saw James and his brother John and called them, quote, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Later, Matthew, also called Levi, a tax collector, no less, is called, and he immediately left his post and followed Jesus. And so these ordinary men were being called by Jesus to follow him. So how do you want to start us off with this topic about the apostles? Well, what gave me the idea, Deacon, was a, a book I'm reading. It's called The Twelve, Twelve Ordinary Men, How the Master Shaped His Disciples for Greatness. And it's right. a topic we haven't covered. The author is John MacArthur. And I really quote uh, a lot from this book because I think it's really, really um, relevant and in important. First, why 12? How come not 10 or 8? And the number 12 has symbolic importance in the Bible. There are 12 tribes in Israel, but, they have, but the 12 tribes, they have, their faith had gone off track. It was filled with, you know, hypocrisy and self-righteousness. It was based on the physical descent from Abraham rather than the faith of Abraham, which is important. In choosing these 12, Christ was in effect choosing new leadership for this new covenant. When Jesus physically appointed these 12, the message in Israel was loud and clear. The apostles represented a whole new Israel under this new covenant. Yeah, that's nice. Now, in, right in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 9, uh, 12 through 19, there's a significant and beautiful story, one of my favorite in the Bible. It's important. Jesus departs to the mountain to pray all night. And in the morning, it says, he called his twelve his, his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12, whom he named apostles. And they're named in the text. Simon, whom he called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. Now he comes down with them, he stands on a stretch of level ground, a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of people from all over are waiting. They've come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and unclean spirits. And in verse 19, it says, everyone in the crowd sought to touch him because power came forth from him and healed them all. They are all cured. And these 12 apostles of Jesus are now the witnessing presence of the power of God through Jesus. First they're called, and now they are the true witnesses. Yeah, and the, the, the point, important point he makes in the book is that the, world, the word disciple means learner or student. But the Lord had many disciples. There were many followers of Jesus. But these 12 were specifically called and chosen for a unique apostolic office. 
apostolic in Greek means messengers, sent ones. They were given a unique authority and spokesmanship for Christ. Right. These men had no knowledge or aptitude for their mission. They had to, they had to be trained. So for the next couple of, you know, about, they, they think it's about 18 months. They listened to Christ. They watched him, how he handled every situation. They watched how he handled people. They enjoyed it like an intimate fellowship with him in every kind of setting. They, they were not academic elites. They were very thick-headed. Right. Now, remember this story. One evening, the disciples of Jesus approached him and said, this is a deserted place. It is already late. Let's dismiss the people so they can go to the villages and get food. Jesus said, give them some food yourselves. They said, we only have two fish and five loaves. What happens next is an especially important part of the whole apostolic movement. It's a miracle, and it's the only miracle that is recounted in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. He asks for the food and orders the crowd to sit down. And then it says, quote, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the fragments left over, 12 wicker baskets full. So Jesus is with his apostles. His heart is moved with pity for the people. He cures them all, and now they need to be fed, and there's not nearly enough food. He looks up to heaven and says the blessing. So this is a moment made holy by the presence of God. He breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples. Jesus will do this again at the Last Supper when he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body, do this in memory of me. The disciples, in turn, give the food to the crowds, and this is the beginning and an example of ministry. You give them something to eat. And there are 12 wicker baskets of fragments left over, food for the 12 tribes of Israel and for the 12 apostles to distribute to the whole world. Right, and once again, the number 12 is symbolic, and the fragments that are left over are the word of God that the apostles are going to spread to the whole right. world. But let me make a reflection here on St. Peter. I like to focus on him for a moment. Since we know the most about him, Peter was, was every man, very relatable. He was an admitted sinner. On his first encounter with our Lord, he said, depart from me, I am a mm -hmm. sinner. He was, he was a braggart. He was pr prideful. And he assured him that even if everyone else would fail him, he wouldn't. But he was a coward and a liar on the night of Jesus' mm -hmm. trial and arrest. But he was contrite. He was he wept bitter tears. Mm -hmm. And he be, he became a great champion for the faith. The lesson is that Peter is a model for all of us because he is like all of us. We're all flawed, like Peter, but we all have the capacity to be transformed and redeemed. This is what Jesus wanted for Peter, and he wants for us. Yeah, that's right. And he's in the middle of everything, right? I mean, another significant event is the transfiguration where Jesus took Peter, J James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. By the way, why those three? They're specifically called for these highly charged events, including the raising of Lazarus. Well, it's been said that Peter was the one who loved Jesus the most, and John was the one whom J Jesus loved the most. Right. And James, it said, becomes the first leader of the church in Jerusalem and the first apostle to be martyred. And in this story, it says he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. The divinity of Jesus, his divine nature, is being revealed to the apostles. And there's a voice from the cloud. And when the disciples heard this, it says, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. Rise and do not be afraid, Jesus says. 
Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now, this vision of the transfiguration is not mentioned again until Peter recalls this event well after the resurrection. In his first epistle, Peter writes, quote, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory, quote, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then Peter writes, We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So once again, Peter denied that he knew Jesus when he was arrested. They all fled and ran away. But after the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, they become bold and true witnesses to everything that they had seen and heard. Yeah, I think the point that he tries to make in in this book that I took from it was that very often we see the great stained glass windows of our churches and we see the apostles in them. They're almost like mythical characters. When we study their lives, we realize they're ordinary people just like us. He chooses men who are fishermen, tax collectors and other common men. And sometimes we tend to get down on ourselves, become discouraged and start to think we're worthless. They were prone to the same mistakes, mishaps and failures we experience. You know, they were not they weren't renowned for their oratory skill or scholarship. You know, their teaching was beneath the elite. God chooses who he chooses so that he might receive the glory. They were instruments in God's hands, just like we are. Yeah. It was, you know, it was the message that they preached, not themselves. The fact that the 2000 years later, you know, the, the apostolic in, endeavor still continues. And that's that's such a testimony to God's divine plan. Well, amen to that. And all during the ministry, they never really got it, as you said. But after the resurrection, when Jesus reveals himself to them for the third time at the Sea of Tiberias after breakfast, he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. This threefold confession of Peter is meant to counteract his earlier threefold denial. And the first Vatican Council cited these verses in defining that Jesus, after his resurrection, gave Peter the jurisdiction of supreme shepherd and ruler over the whole flock. And uh, he, he and the apostles. So he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. And after this, all that is left is the Feast of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends on them. And then they're infused and empowered with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the foundation of the church is built and the growth can begin. Yeah. And, and, and wrapping up, I'll say it's it's amazing to think that the final phase of their mission was martyrdom for all of them except one, uh, John. Now, people don't die for something they believe to be false, especially individually at different times in different parts of the world. The gospel it, they preached with this little amount of training when you think about the time and no prior knowledge is still preached today 2000 years later is really a testament to the power of the holy spirit and our catholic church amen folks don't forget to think of them when you recite the apostles creed on sunday and if you want to read more read the fifth book of the new testament the acts of the apostles which is luke's masterpiece frank thanks so much we got a role model to work with thanks for your help today you got it thanks Pete. god bless